1: It's never too late to stop being a dick. Okay.
0: That is the best part of the whole movie. (laughs) When you said that, I was like,
1: yes. It was so
0: good. We need that on t-shirts.
1: I know. Everyone is telling me that.
0: Pillows. We need that. You need the merch.
1: I need to make it now. I need Mm. to make it yesterday.
0: Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Are there any Marvel fans in the house? Because today we are joined by the latest Marvel recruit, Katherine Newton. And even if you aren't a superhero fan, you are going to love her. You'll maybe recognise Catherine from Big Little Lies and The Society, and now she's getting her superpower on as Cassie aka Ant Girl in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, which throws everything at you and the kitchen sink, and this chat is no different. We cover everything from Yorkshire Tea, FYI she's a builder's tea kind of girl, to being a child star and having Paul Rudd as a fake dad. I love Catherine's words about taking up space. So I hope this inspires you to get out there and demand the space you deserve. So how are you?
1: Um, wow, <laughs> how am I? Well, so I'm pretty great. Um, I have a Marvel movie premiering tonight in London. I mean. And I'm very excited to go to the premiere. I've had really special times in London. Mm. I filmed a movie out here called Pokemon Detective Pikachu.
0: Seen it, love it. You loved yeah. it? Pikachu's uh, my thing.
1: Oh, really? Love. Psyduck was my, my main guy. He's my sidekick. Um, and I lived in Marlebone. You know? Yeah. That's
0: like an exclusive destination to be living in. It was lush. That's the dream. As
1: they say. I was posh.
0: You're posh. I'm
1: a posh, babe. (laughs) And I know that's not cool to be posh. It's not a good thing. I'm not posh. I'm just saying Marlebone is kind of posh, right? Unless
0: you're posh spice. And then I'd love to be
1: posh spice. But um, I love Marlebone Lane. I loved walking through the park. And then when I filmed this movie here, Mm -hmm. I filmed Ant-Man here, and I lived in Kensington. So I'd go to the V&A all the time. But because I loved Marlebone so much, I'm such a bougie I would, would go all the way to Marlebone, eat my breakfast at Fisher's on my day off, and then I'd walk through the park all the way home and then just sleep the rest of the day because I'm so exhausted from this movie. But it was like, I wish I got more time off on this film. Mm. To be in London, I could have been in Atlanta. It didn't you matter because I wasn't, I didn't get to do anything like london
0: So you did go out-out while you were here? I'm
1: like, that was, I went two times to Chiltern and I was here six months. Hey. And it was t- near the end of filming when I realized I've done nothing mm. but work and not do anything fun. Although, fun to me is being on set. I yeah. swear, I swear, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Like, it's way more fun than going to Chiltern. Promise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just also love the fact that this is, this movie is all about going to an alternative universe. You basically <laughs> right. were in like Watford. <laughs> Wait, right. like all the places you to to. That's
1: where Pinewood yeah. is, right? Yeah. Watford? Yeah. I did go to... A
0: destination of choice for everyone across the universe. Watford? Mm. I
1: love it there. Love it. I love it. I uh, had a great time. Trailer was huge. Never saw anything else. Um, and then where did I go? I went to the Wilderness Reserve. I had one week off. I went to the Wilderness Reserve. My friend came and visit um, with their mom. And we, like, went camping we thought it was going to be like a hotel. Yeah. But it was not. It was like you have to cook your own food and like do all the stuff That's not yourself. A day off. But it was glamping, right? But we had no idea. And it was so funny because the people I was with, they were like, "Well, I'm not I can't cook." And I was like, "Well, I'm definitely not a good cook." <laughs> so we had to get someone to come cook because we didn't know that it was like you have to cook your own stuff. It was so funny. It was like we were, it was like you would think we were out camping in the woods in a tent and it was nothing like that. Mm. It was so nice. <laughs> but we're so, like, incapable of just being campers. It was so funny. Babe, was, I yeah. can't even
0: cook in a kitchen. So I can't cook in a kitchen. No.
1: I make really good eggs. That's oh, my best okay. thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a secret and I'm not gonna tell you, but it's not that big of a deal. Are
0: we talking like you can do all of them, like poach, scramble? No, only
1: scrambled. That's oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I am so good at one specific type of egg and that is it.
1: That is so embarrassing, but they're really good, okay? Yeah. And my best friend was here, Georgica. She was studying at Cambridge, getting her master's in fine art, I'll which is go like, I know, like I'm doing a movie, I think that's all cool. And then my best friend comes out and she's like, I'm getting my master's in fine art.
0: And you're like, at you're at Cambridge chic.
1: University. And she would come and she's an amazing cook. Mm. And she'd make me breakfast. And she wouldn't let me make breakfast. She's like, I know you think you can do it. I got this. And then she made Thanksgiving dinner. We had oh, American stunning. Thanksgiving here. I had some friends over. It was like I was living my dream of um, you know, having like a dinner party mm-hmm. in LA that I've never done, which maybe I should do. But we did it we did it here in London and I invited all my friends and I have a lot of friends out here. Yeah. A lot of I did little women for the BBC. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of British people in that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can keep seeing the like the accent wanting to come out.
1: Oh, oh I, I will. I'll come out. I'm going to go home and people are going to say, why do you sound like you're British, Catherine? And I don't sound British.
0: Mm. you can going do that thing that people do. Do I sound do. Southern to you? You do a bit. A
1: bit? Yeah. People say that I, that I sound Southern. Mm. Let's see if I can do Southern. Okay. We'll just keep talking like, and I'll do a little bit of Southern. I'm from Miami, Florida, South Miami, but they don't, they're not Southern, you know, like, and now, okay, I'll do British. <laughs> um, So like... Fishers in Marlebone. I love the eggs Benedict. They're so good. Um, I love tea here. When we have tea, we put a bit of milk in the tea, right? Like you put a spot of milk. Mm-hmm. And um, when I'm in America, I don't. I don't use milk, but here, I use the milk because I want to fit in with the Brits.
0: <laughs> Babe, stunning. Get you in it's a okay. British rom com.
1: It's okay. I feel um, like you've
0: been living like the British rom com life where you've been here, so I you need to make it happen.
1: Have. One time, I almost booked a job with my British accent, and they thought I was from London. I'm not saying my British accent is good. I'm just saying it was good enough yeah. to fool somebody. It
0: was possible at that point.
1: <laughs> I don't know about today. I was working on it before.
0: <laughs> I would give it like a solid seven out of 10.
1: That's weak. I mean, that's really that's, weak.
0: It's almost as weak as that team. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not really strong. It's okay, we're moving on.
0: <laughs> well, babe, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Let's
1: well, get to business. lots of mania. Yeah. Yes. I mean,
0: I once had The Avengers described to me as, it's a bit like the Spice Girls. They're better together than they are apart. Uh, so how would you describe this movie?
1: Oh, I'd say that it's like a father-daughter road trip movie yeah. through the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd describe it.
0: <laughs> Love that.
1: Yeah. Is that pop culture-y enough?
0: It's a ride.
1: <laughs> it really is a ride. Mm. And like, it's slow for about two minutes. In the beginning. And then it just goes.
0: It's like full adrenaline.
1: Full adrenaline. I wish I knew that when we started the movie. (laughs) When we filmed it. I had no idea it was going to be so intense.
0: You At the end you're like, I'm exhausted.
1: I'm exhausted. I watched it two times now. And there's so much I missed the first time. Uh, I'm really glad I saw it another time. Because there's people I didn't see before. There's things that happened that I didn't catch. Um, And I I think it's interesting that we filmed the movie. And it's really just Paul and I. Mm. And then... I realized, look at this, there's another half of this film that's so beautiful, so intense, and I had no idea. I'm in a different movie. Mm. (laughs) It's really funny.
0: Because let's take it back to the beginning Mm -hmm. of this whole process for you. Where were you at in your life when this role
1: came along? That's a really good question. Nobody's asked me that, because it was not the perfect place. Mm. I had just found out, I had a TV show called The Society on Netflix, and we were going in a week. I was leaving, my bags were being packed, I had my apartment, and Netflix canceled it because of COVID. We have a really big cast of young people and it wasn't gonna be able to be shot safely, or, you know, I don't really know why, but that's what they said, right? On Friday, I lost that. And because of The Society, I had lost two other films and a a series. Like, they just, I was close on them, I had, you know, an offer on one, they had to pull it. So I was like, great. I got no jobs now. They took the movies away because I wasn't available because of the society. Now the society's gone. I've got nothing. And then the next Monday, I got the offer for this. It's so weird. Mm. It was so strange. It was like one door closes and another one opens. And if I hadn't have had the society cancel, I probably wouldn't have been able to do this. I don't know that for sure because I don't remember, like, the scheduling. But um, it kind of—when you're on a series, that is always, like— That show was my priority, it was my Mm. number one. It was a huge deal to have a show on Netflix and you know, it did really well. So that was number one priority. I wouldn't have been able to do anything else while filming that or you gotta leave time when you're doing Mm. a big project like that for like longer shoots and I don't know. It was just weird how that went away and then Ant-Man appeared.
0: It's the universe.
1: I know, you gotta stay positive. Yeah. Cause I didn't get sad. When that happened, I was upset for the fans, I was upset for my cast. You know, it's all of us young people. Like, a lot of people relied on that job Mm. and they were expecting it. I was expecting it. So it's just like a a shocking thing that happens. But I was like, for something this weird to happen to me and to all of us, there's gotta be a reason. And Mm. everyone on that show, has done phenomenally well ever since the show being canceled. Like, it did a lot for us, I think. It got it got us a lot of popularity. Um, you know, at a young age, it's really hard to get a fandom, mm. to get people behind you who want to see your projects and support you, and I don't take that for granted. I got that on a show called Supernatural. I did one episode on the show, right? And the fans loved my character so much and wrote about her on Twitter that the CW wanted to give me my own show, a spinoff. And we shot like a pilot episode for it and it aired with Supernatural and it was great. It um, didn't work, whatever, didn't happen. But the fans have stayed with me mm. and then they went to Society and then now I got new fans from Society all over the world and it happened for the whole cast. Like everyone on that show, if you look them up, are incredible actors and they're all doing like amazing projects, mm. way bigger than the Society, mm. you know, like critical projects. So I don't know, we got lucky kind of that, you know, we get to try other things, but I do wish that we could tell the finish, like finish Mm. the
0: story. Do you kind of feel like that was a moment that made you really realize how empowering a moment of failure can be?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think um, you have a choice. You can get really negative and go dark. And I don't know if Ant-Man would have showed up for me because maybe the universe would think, oh, she's not ready. If this Mm. is how she's going to handle rejection or failure, how is she going to handle success? You know what I mean? But I really just like looked up at the sky and I was like, okay, I'm ready for something else now. Um, thank you for this, I'm done with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you just have to let it go. You have to let things go. Nothing is permanent anyways. Did I, What did I really expect, you know? Even Ant-Man doing this one movie, I have no expectations, mm. you know what I mean? I, I've done the film, I enjoyed the moment of making this movie more than anything because I knew what a big deal it was. I knew what a big opportunity it was for someone my age to not only do a Marvel movie, but work with Paul Rudd every day, get to use my body and my physicality for a character in a certain way. And um, you didn't want to waste any time being stressed out or like tired or hungry or any of these things. I was just in the moment the whole time. And now it's for everybody else to enjoy and Mm. I hope that they they enjoy it. But it's funny, like watching a movie is never as good as your experience making it. Every project, every project. I mean, I didn't watch Big Little Lies. I'm sure that's better than my experience. With I mean, me, I can tell I hear you it's really good.
0: It's, okay, I can tell you as an audience member, top draw.
1: Good. Yeah. I just don't have HBO. I didn't have HBO. I have it now. Now the moment's passed, and I haven't ever watched it. But
0: I feel like you need to go back and watch this.
1: Yeah. No. Like I,
0: cancel I, whatever interviews you're doing for the rest of the day. And go watch Big Little Lies. Please go watch Big Little Lies back <laughs> to back.
1: Maybe I should. But it's true. <laughs> it's like watching a movie that you filmed. Maybe it's like if you listen to a podcast you did, like are you really able to enjoy your podcast? No way. You're thinking about what you said, Absolutely what you could have said. Not. What you didn't say and what you should have. Mm-hmm. I'm always kind of doing that. Like every time I watch a movie, I'm thinking about how, oh my gosh, oh wow, they really, they cut around that. I was laughing so much there. and Wow, they still got the line. Like they still like figured it out. So I'm thinking about the moment I was in, yeah. you know, and how different I am now. Mm. It's a weird experience, yeah.
0: Because you mentioned like how physically and mentally tough filming a movie like this is, Yeah. what did it it kind of teach you about your own mental and physical strength?
1: You got to have stamina. Mm. You really got to know your body really well um, because you got to be able to push it when you need to push it. And you got to know when to like take a nap, you know, and you got to eat all day and eat peanut butter and apples all day. So you like keep your um, energy up and not coffee. I stopped drinking coffee on this movie.
0: Oh my god, I've just stopped drinking coffee. It's the best thing I've ever done. Is it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Game changing. I'm back on it for this press tour, yeah. which is just disappointing. <laughs> I worked so hard to get off of it. And now I'm just pounding it. Kicking <laughs> the habit is hard. Nothing. It's really not yeah. that hard. Like just don't do it. Yeah. And then like your head hurts for like a day, and then mm-hmm. you know you're over it. But um having no coffee was fine. Drinking yeah. lots of water, I did have lots of Yorkshire breakfast tea the best. What's it called the Yorkshire tea? Yeah, but we builder's tea.
0: Builder's tea.
1: I got a, a giant box of it they gave it to me at the end of my shoot and I took it home.
0: <laughs> She's a Yorkshire tea addict. Yeah,
1: that's right. I mm-hmm. am. It's delicious. I love it. Um but I I've been like training for a role like this my whole life. Mm. I'm an athlete. I'm a golfer. People don't think that's athletic, but you don't know. You don't know. Okay? It's athletic. And then um I just wanted to find a character to serve fully, and Cassie Lang deserves someone who was able to run around, flip people, punch people, slide on the ground, do stuff like that, and not get hurt. That's the main thing when you're on a six month shoot. Nobody wants you to get hurt. Mm. You know, you can't help it. Accidents happen, right? But because I have trained so much my whole life, just like some people do ballet, I do ballet. Some people do karate, I don't do karate, but like it's just something I love. Mm. It's like a hobby, I guess. So I was ready. To really give it all I got. And I just was trying to keep up with Paul Rudd. That guy, he's an animal. He acts like he's just this everyman. No. He's exceptional. Exceptional. He worked out in the morning. Then we ran around for 10 hours. And then he'd work out again. Yeah.
0: He's got the time of the day.
1: Well, I don't know how he had that time. Like, it was a really crazy, intense schedule for him. And me. So, I I didn't do that. I didn't
0: do it. I, babe. No criticism here. I would never be able to do that.
1: No, it's fun though. So Mm -hmm. I started training a lot on this one. And then the next two movies I did, I kind of incorporated it. Like I would do like, what are those called? In the gym I was staying at, they had those Pelotons,
0: you know? Uh, Love a Peloton. I
1: started doing like a 30-minute workout class in the morning. I kid you not, without the coffee, still wasn't drinking coffee. Mm -hmm. It gave me a lot of energy. So I am an advocate for exercise. I think it's good for your mental health. Oh, it's, it's not about best. it's not about looking good. And it wasn't about looking good for this. Our director was very serious about not wanting me to change my body. Like, he was like, you need to look like you. You need to look like a kid. Like, you don't need to look ripped. Um, it was never about that. It was mm. about learning how to fall, learning how to take a punch, learning how to, you know, falling, not get hurt. That's what we were doing in this yeah. movie. My character is not… Janet Van Dyne, like, have you seen the movie? Yeah, I've seen the movie. So you know Michelle Pfeiffer is incredibly yeah. badass in this movie, like, oh, her fight scenes are ridiculous. So that's not Cassie. No. You saw me, I was tripping, like falling, like not really having my balance. Stumbling around. Right, it's very hard to not yeah. have balance, okay? <laughs> it's really hard to act like you don't have balance and then actually have balance so that you can just do it for the camera. Way more difficult than looking cool. So that was what I had to train for. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Does it given you a better relationship with your own body image, do you think, doing yeah. a movie like this? Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. I mean, I've always been, um, like, I've always been really proud of being an athlete and I'm a big advocate for sports, not just women's golf, because nothing gives you more confidence mm. than working hard at whatever you do, doesn't have to be a sport, and seeing a result, Yeah. like winning. Even if you lose, like you said, you gotta be good with failure too, because that's how you learn to become a winner, because you know what it takes. Yeah. To win. Um, but I was really proud of uh, you know, just being strong. I was really proud that I was able to support that super suit. It's really heavy, it's leather, it's tight, and I, I was able to carry it. I think you gotta be ready. You know, Jonathan Majors is a great example. Like he was training on this for Creed as well as mm-hmm. Kang throughout filming. His dedication to his craft. It's like athletes athletes have a lot I feel like they get a lot of respect for for training and they take themselves seriously because they're doing it for the love of the game. Yeah. They're doing it for the fans who watch the game, who want to see someone exceptional. But actors, if you talk about how you're working out for a role or like you're eating 100 pounds of chicken every day like Jonathan was, you know, and eating, and like nobody wants to hear that. Actors are like, oh, stop it, Yeah. you know? But I think that it's kind of, they treat it like it's a sport. They're mm. treating it with the same kind of respect for the craft, like what the character deserves. So I was really proud that I just didn't get hurt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there were no disasters? No.
1: I, I Seriously, it was the easiest job of my life. Like oh. easiest job. <laughs> like I don't want anyone listening to think Catherine really worked out for this role. I work out yeah. anyway. Mm. Like for my head. Yeah. If I don't work out, I get crazy. I'm
0: exactly the same.
1: It makes me happy. Like it gets rid of anxiety. For me, I, I do any workout, go on a walk, go on a hike. It doesn't have to be like what I did for this movie, which is specifically running around so I don't get hurt on a film set. Um, I just think it's good for your brain. Mm. Yeah.
0: And Cassie is finding her power in this movie. And what I love about it is she's kind of taking up space. She's (laughs) learning how to take up space. I mean, she goes from literally being like the size of an ant to like 20 foot tall. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of space ratio to cover. Has she kind of taught you to take up more space in your own life.
1: That's so funny. You ask really great questions. Babes. God, I gotta listen to your show.
0: <laughs> you great, do. Great,
1: great questions. Um, <laughs> I love that you say take up space because I learned a lot from Jonathan. Mm. He's method. He has a big boom box that he plays on set when he's entering set. Point is, he takes up space, right? He fills the room with his energy. And all that does is he showed me that it's okay to take up space if you do it gracefully. Mm. He wasn't loud, he wasn't in your face like, get out of my way, I need my my moment to get in character. He just did what he needed to do to serve the story. And I was like, he's doing a great job. Mm. I can do that, I can do what he's doing without being like, oh I need this, I need this, I, I gotta have my my coffee or something. Mm. Like Just do what you need to do, take care of yourself, be in your grounded moments so you can be the character. And I love that, you know, He showed me what it was to take up space in the most graceful way, and I want to be like him. I don't know if I'm going to blast my music, but I do know that when you do anything like that from your heart and people know it's from your heart, it never comes across like weird or, God, this is so annoying. Mm. Like, he did it because he loved it, and everyone felt it, and it made me better. And we're in scenes for like seven days, you know what I mean? And sometimes I'm by myself in the scene, and it's really hard to – remember what you're doing, mm. stay stay fresh, stay present. And I think having someone who's so grounded as Jonathan, have you met him yet?
0: No, I have not met him yet. He's
1: so intense. But when you look at him, you're completely pulled in and you're like, oh, I'm in this moment right now. You're here and I'm here with you. And it makes you just like, that's what taking up space is to me. Mm. And um, that's what I learned. Yeah, that it's okay to take up space. You mm. don't have to be loud and obnoxious and say, crude things, like you just have to be you and mm. you will take up space.
0: It's so interesting because I think as a society, we're taught to take up smaller, smaller amounts of space. Mm-hmm. So it's so amazing you've kind of been given this gift at this point at this in point, your career.
1: Yes, and you got to admit, I was working with an iconic cast, yeah. like Michelle Pfeiffer, from Michael Douglas. I was very scared to take up space. Mm. I didn't want to get in anyone's way. But just like you said, we're told to be small, right? So other people can fit in or other people can have space to shine. But on a movie set, it's been such a gift growing up an actor because mm. just like now, you're giving me space to talk. Like, you're inviting me to speak. You want me to say something important. Hopefully, I say something important, right?
0: <laughs> you covered all the important okay, things, man. Don't but, but on a
1: movie set, Paul wanted me to shine. Yeah. The director trusted me with the character. He believed in me. He was like... I hired you to do something, Mm. to bring something to the table here. That's why you're here. So it's like permission to shine, you know? That's what's special about a movie set is everyone has their moment, everyone gets their close up at some point, right? So everyone has a moment to just give it. Mm. Give it all. So everyone's always giving to each other, making sure you're confident and feeling good. It's the best place to be, Mm. especially if you're shy. I'm actually a very shy person, I grew up like, really weird. I do
0: not believe this for a second.
1: I know. I was weird. But I was the
0: same. I was so shy when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So shy, so crippling. I had such bad social anxiety when I was a teenager. Yeah. Didn't know how to really express myself. Because when you feel like you're like contained in, you're like, how do you do it? How do you maneuver it? Yeah.
1: And do you feel like this medium has helped you like come out? 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like time and place. You find what works for you. I didn't start out like oh I just want to be an actor. My mom showed me ballet, painting. My dad showed me tennis, not just golf, basketball. All these things. I was very lucky that my parents tried to help me find my voice, because everyone has one. Everyone Mm. has something that is in their heart that they love. So I just think that acting was one that, a lot of actors will, will say that. Like it's a weird place where your voice is really you. They want to hear from you. Mm. I'm playing a character. The director's not supposed to tell me who my character is. I am supposed to know. And that's hard when you're young, I think, because yeah. I just want to fit in and like I want everyone to like me. But you gotta, I think I'm learning that that you really have ownership of your characters. And so working with people like Paul Rudd and Jonathan Majors, two very different actors who are so confident in who they are, What their characters need, but come from two different methods. Mm. I'm learning so much and I'm like taking both of them. Paul and I are a little more similar in how I've approached things. Like I just kind of show up, I let it go, I'm in the moment, I don't attach myself to anything that happens on set, like maybe my hair and makeup I don't like, or my wardrobe I'm not crazy about, but I'm just like, it's not me. Yeah. It's not who I am, it's the character. It's the what the director wants. So you just let it go. Mm. That's that's also important. Mm. The art of letting go is really hard.
0: Oh babe. Right, We don't have enough time in the day to get into <laughs> the art of letting go. No, I Wow. Hate that <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is tough. But it's so interesting what you're saying because you have been working since you're four years old. Yeah. And we had Chloe Grace Moretz on the podcast and oh. she was talking about- um, Oh, I love Chloe. Like growing up on a film set yeah. and finding her voice on the film set. Because Did she
1: say kind of the same thing? Is yeah, it similar? Yeah, it's an
0: interesting thing because she said she found it very difficult because- Really? the whole time people keep telling you, oh, you're still a kid and That's true. Maneuvering that is quite difficult.
1: That is true. But I've always been really good at standing on my mark and saying my line. Yeah. I have always done that very well. Mm. And recently, as my roles have increased, like their purpose in a story, I'm not just the teenage daughter anymore. Like mm. Cassie Lang is a teenage daughter, but she's also a young superhero. There's more there. Like, young people are not often given a chance to express themselves in movies. Like, we see them very one-dimensionally most of the time. I've been lucky. Like, Freaky, I just did a movie called Freaky recently, and all the characters in the movie, um, Misha and Celeste played my two best friends in the movie, they weren't, like, one-dimensional people. They were full people. And it's Mm -hmm. mostly because we didn't really have parents in that movie. Most of the time, movies are about parents. So why would they want to hear from... 15-year-old Catherine, who's yeah. an actress, talk about her character. It's mm-hmm. not about her. So I think just as my roles have required more from me, people ask more of me. That's that's it, I think. But I, I hear Chloe, and I do agree. Yeah. I do agree with her. It's like, no one really wants to hear you. They just want to make sure that you're safe and like do the job, mm-hmm. you know? But that's same with the older actors, too. Yeah, I think the roles just get bigger, so what's asked of you is more,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Did you ever struggle with that kind of stereotype of what being a child actor can be seen as?
1: I mean, I think that I was lucky because I did gr- grow up um, in Miami. I went to Carrollton School of the Sacred Heart, all-girl Catholic school. And then I went to Millican Middle School in LA. It was like Science Academy, top of my class, valedictorian, did the whole speech.
0: Hey, you're an overachiever.
1: I know, right? What happened? <laughs> and then I went to high school. My grades weren't as good because I was working all the time yeah. and like, that's where I don't think I had that child actor thing. Because I would go to school after being on set all day, go for last period, and my teacher would give me a test and be like, you have to take this. Mm. And I'd be like, but I didn't read the book. And they're like, I don't care. And so I had to figure out, like, nobody cares what I do. This is what matters. But then I'd go to set, and nobody would care about what I do out of set. That's what matters. So it was this amazing kind of duplicity of— Going to school, seeing the popular kids and being like, wow, they think they're really important. Seeing my golf team being like, wow, this is really important. Mm. It was like a amazing reality check because I didn't know what was important. I realized at a really young age that the only thing that mattered is what I thought about what was happening. Mm. And I think school gave me the gift of communication because I learned how to talk to my teachers respectfully and say, I need you to help me. I didn't read the book. I'm going to write an essay. Here, I wrote an essay. It's about how I didn't read the book. (laughs) And they'd give me, like, a C. And they'd be like, your essay's really good, but it's not about the book. And then they'd they'd give me, like, extra credit. Like, school is a really great tool to learn how to communicate. It's not just about getting an education. It's about making friends. It's about talking to your teachers and learning about yourself and how to get along Mm. with people. So the child actor thing, I never had time to— get in my head and think I'm cool because, trust me, nobody thought I was cool in high school. Yeah, I ran for class president, no one knew who I was. I was totally a dork, yeah. Didn't have a lot of friends, had friends. So you lost out
0: in class president?
1: Yeah, because nobody knew I was at at that school because I missed so many days of school. Oh,
0: babes.
1: It's okay. It's okay. I'll play president in a movie one day. Yeah, exactly.
0: You'll get revenge.
1: I know. I really loved high school. I really did. And anyone in my high school would tell you that I always talked about being a superhero. Mm. Like, I always wanted to be I'm in, a, in a superhero movie. Yeah.
0: And here you are, yeah. living babes. Yes. Well, it's so interesting you were saying about using your voice because I kind of feel like, like, in the Marvel universe, they are kind of like OG activists. Yeah. And you are like an activist. You your think character so? is an activist. Oh,
1: she is. She yeah. is getting Cassie people
0: is. out there. She's like doing the pep talk. She's got the rallying calls to yes. get them out there. Yeah. Yeah. When have you most needed a pep talk in your life? And when have you given yourself a really good pep talk?
1: My dad's always been really good at giving me pep talks. Um, when I played in, in golf tournaments, like he'd be like, he would just tell, you, tell me to like chill out, not take it so seriously, just hit the shot. And then I'd be able to do it. Um, I played in a golf tournament with Bill Murray and we were live on TV. So much pressure, way more pressure than filming a Marvel movie. Cause I wanted everyone to know how good I was at the game and I played like an idiot. Mm. They, I would hit shots and then the camera would just show my swing and then cut away to commercial so no one saw where my ball went. And then Bill looked at me and he was like, don't worry about it, you're just an actress. You don't, you're, you're a great golfer, but don't worry, you're just an actor. Next shot, stuck at three feet. It went viral on Twitter and I was like, wow. Thanks, thanks for the pep talk, Bill. It helped. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, Catherine, you're just a, you're just an actor. You don't need to be good at golf. You just show them, just show them how great you are. And I went and I hit it great. So sometimes the pep talk you use from Bill Murray or maybe just yourself, I don't know. They both I love work. That. Yeah. Let's
0: get Bill on the phone and let's get him a pep talk whenever okay, we need one. Let's
1: give him one. <laughs>
0: Bill, get on the phone, we need a pep talk. Yeah,
1: we need to talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we always finish on this question, and that always is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you'll always live by?
1: Use your power for good.
0: Yes. Uh, be nice. like a true Marvel star. Be
1: babe. nice. It gets stressful. You get stressed. Just don't be... It's never too late to stop being a dick,
0: okay? That is the best part of the whole movie. When you said that, I was like, yes! It was so good. We need that on t shirts. I know, everyone is telling me that. pillows. we need that. You need the merch.
1: I need to make it now. I need Mm. to make it yesterday. Yeah, I need to talk to somebody
0: about that. Yeah, I love that. Let's end the (laughs) podcast on Don't Be a Dick. Don't Be a Dick. (laughs) Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Host. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe or follow and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi babes, me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because as I always say talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated it can truly improve your well-being allow you to create the life you want and bring the connections you are so deserving of babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.